or that they could do the floor. It, it's, it's amazing. It's a game changer. It's going to be a game changer for our church. We'll be able to use it more than uh, – I went in there today. Uh, Harry was working on some electric, and I was in there. And I will tell you this, it was 94 degrees outside and inside. It felt great. You could feel the cool. And uh, so praise the Lord because <clears throat> no matter – I remember last year we moved camp to June, remember? Moved camp to June, we're going to beat the heat. And it was hotter in June than it was in July. And so we went back to July, and, but now we have that. And uh, God has just blessed us so abundantly. And so we are thankful for everyone. Some of you have given. Uh, many of you have prayed. And many of you have worked physically up there. It all matters. And I thank God for you. It all matters. Um, I was talking with someone, and they were shocked that we have a church camp every year and we take all those kids for free. They said, how do you do that? And I said, we just, we just do it. The Lord tells us to do it and we do it and he takes care of it and we don't look back. And so we need to keep our having faith in God, keep trusting God, things are going well, and uh, we need to really, really, really reach these kids. I don't know if you know this, before, before I pray and get into our study, uh, they just approved a budget in the state of Ohio. And one of the things that they're signing into a law is kids under 16 now for social media, they will have to go in, their parents will have to sign them up for social media. I don't know how it's all going to work. And then the the parents will be able to choose what they can see and what they can't see. And so I don't know how all that's going to come about, but that's good because they were talking about the decline in not only uh, functioning in the school, but other issues where they're being exposed to many different things. And so uh, I don't know how all that's going to come, but it seems like we're moving in the right direction. And so uh, we need to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you have done, all you are doing, and all that you're going to do. Lord, we trust you. Our eyes are on you. We're not looking at the world. Our faith is anchored in you, and you are solid, the solid rock. And Father, I pray right now that you would help us to be enthusiastic about your work. Help us, Lord, to just have a renewed energy with reaching people with the gospel and teaching kids the glorious truth of your word, and, and loving sinners and seeing them come to you. Lord, help us, God, not to get sidetracked in our soapboxes and help us not to get sidetracked in legalism and all these things, but help us to keep our eyes on you, the word of God, and help us to just keep being obedient to you. Lord, as we open your word tonight, we need to hear from you in a fresh way. I ask that you would speak through me. Lord, that you would help me to articulate your truth and Lord if if you don't help me I, I won't be able to accomplish this and Lord may everyone in this room leave tonight with a greater love for you a greater devotion to serve you and may we know you more as a result of being in your word I just ask you Lord to be with our community leaders we pray for wisdom that they would have wisdom as they make decisions on our behalf. 
I ask you to bless all those in authority, Lord. Be with our children across the street and our workers over there. And we ask that you would bless them. Father, again, we bow before you and we ask you to teach us tonight. I love you. I need you desperately. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. We've been going through the book of Isaiah. And as we go through the book of Isaiah, sometimes I need to remind us um, the Old Testament prophets did not know about some of the prophecies that we have seen in the New Testament scripture. Uh, They never saw past the Messianic kingdom. So let me just give you a real quick rundown of what's going to happen. We know that the next thing prophetically that's going to happen in our days, we believe, is the rapture of the church, when the believers will be caught up. Then, immediately, the tribulation period will start on the earth for seven years. The first three and one-half years of the tribulation period will be called the tribulation period. The last three and one-half years will be called the great tribulation period. And so, <clears throat> that seven-year period, the church will not go through it. You will not, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have to fear. You will not go through the tribulation period. You will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. While that tribulation period is happening down here, we'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb up there. And many believe that we will also be judged for our rewards or loss of rewards. Why do we believe it will happen during that time? Because we will come back with the Lord and we will work in His kingdom. You're not going to float around for a thousand years on a cloud playing a harp eating grapes. That's not going to happen. That's a fictitious rendition of what heaven and eternal life is like. You and I will have a glorified body in the kingdom. We will be able to go from the kingdom to heaven and back and forth. And we will have positions of responsibility. If you are faithful with a little, I'll make you ruler of much. Those are Jesus' words. And so then we come back at the end of the tribulation period. As I said, we come back for the, one, the battle and the Lord Jesus Christ out of his mouth, a two-edged sword. We have the thousand-year millennial reign on the earth. Satan is bound for in the bottomless pit. One thousand years, Christ will rule and reign on the earth. In those one thousand years, there will be the, all Israel, the Bible says, will be saved. Remember, Paul said, a true Jew is one who's been circumcised in the heart. Only those Jews who have believed in Christ will enter into the millennial kingdom. They'll be saved at the end of the tribulation period. They will have endured through the tribulation period and they'll be saved. There will also be some Gentiles who are saved during the tribulation period. During the 1,000 year reign of Christ, there will be uh, babies born. And just as you and I were born with a sin nature, even though they're born in the millennial kingdom, they'll be born with a sin nature. And there will be some who revolt against the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ, Satan is loosed. There's one final battle. The Lord Jesus takes Satan and all of his demons and casts them into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment happens. Everyone at the great white throne judgment, if you're there at the great white throne judgment, you are cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. There's no hope for you. It's too late. And the new heaven 
and new earth, Jerusalem, the new heavenly Jerusalem comes down out of the sky. That's the eternal state. We enter into that eternal state with the Lord where there's no, there's no sorrow, there's no pain, there's no suffering. Everything, everything will be just like heaven. That's a timeline, a little overview of prophecy. Here's the problem. The Old Testament saints didn't see the rapture of the church. They didn't see after the uh, second coming of Christ, they saw the millennial kingdom, but they didn't see the eternal state. Now, why do I tell you that? Because our verse begins, look in verse uh, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. We have been trained when we hear a word, I know that word somewhere else, and we go to the cross-references and we go to Revelation 21 22, where there's a new heaven and a new earth. And we automatically think that that is what he's talking about in this passage. I wrestled with this. I talked about it a little bit yesterday with my dad as I studied back and forth. The only people who believe that this new heavens and new earth is the same new heaven and new earth at the end are those who espouse replacement theology. Replacement theology is they believe that Israel has replaced, or the church has replaced Israel, excuse me. And so from now on, the church has become Israel. And there's no rapture. Some of them don't believe there's all millennialists. They don't believe in the kingdom. There's like a branches off of this main trunk that they believe varying things. Um, and some uh, do not make a distinction between Israel and the church. We do because the Bible makes a distinction. We make a distinction. The church and Israel are distinct. And the Old Testament prophets did not see beyond the Messianic kingdom. They didn't see that eternal state. And he says, because primarily his audience is Jewish. He's speaking to the Jews. This passage is not for the church. He is not speaking to the church. He is speaking. If you confuse the church in Israel, you will be all over the place and you will be confused when it comes to prophetic things. You'll be confused. And I have very good friends whom I love who are, they confuse it. And then they're all over the place. And I ask them questions. And they're like, well, and they explain it away. But this is important because no prophet, in any of my studies, did I find any prophet that saw a prophecy beyond the Old Testament prophets, beyond the Messianic kingdom, the Millennial kingdom. They call it the mountain peaks of prophecy. They saw the second coming of Christ, the millennial kingdom, and they say in between is the rapture of the church and the eternal state. Now, let me try to not confuse you, but help you see why there's three reasons, or two reasons, two main reasons why I believe that the New heaven and new earth in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And the new heaven and new earth he's speaking of here is not the same thing. 
I want to show you, and because we have to get this before we can go any further. And then as we start unfolding it, just if you let the Bible take it literally, you'll understand why. First of all, as I've already told you, no Old Testament prophet ever saw beyond the kingdom. That's the first reason. The second reason I say this, if you would look in verse 20, and we'll get down there in just a moment, but I just want to lay this out for you at the beginning. Notice what he says, No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. If this were the eternal state, there would be no sinners. There would be no death. You understand that, right? I mean, what's the purpose of the eternal life if you still deal with sin, you still die? So it can't be the same. It can't be the same. No, this new heaven and new earth, he's speaking to the Jews. In Revelation, he's speaking to all believers of all time enter into the eternal state. Does everybody understand that? If you don't, talk to me afterwards and I'll help you. So let's look and see what he says here. Behold, I create new heavens and new earth. Create the Hebrew word bara, B-A-R-A. You're familiar with this if you study Genesis. In the beginning, God created. It's a miraculous thing. God is speaking here. When he says, I create a new heaven and a new earth, it is a miraculous creation. It's miraculous. And notice what he says, And the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. One translation says this. It says, Speaking of the former shall not be remembered, you won't even think about the old things. You won't even think about it. Why? Let me just ask you to think about this for a moment. Do you know the Jews have been more persecuted people than any other people group in all the world of all times? Historically, and if you pay attention to the news just this past week, they invaded some of the, the western bank of Gaza there and took out, Israel did, and took out some, some bad hombres. Part of the... Um, the people who want to kill Israel. And so the Jewish people have been the most persecuted people of all time. And God says, I'm going to give you a new heaven and a new earth where you won't even remember all that you've gone through, all you've been through. You won't remember that at all. You won't even think about that. Why? Because it's going to be so good. Let me ask you something. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ... What is going to be the highlight of the millennial kingdom? Anybody? Jesus. That's right. Do you understand that Jesus is going to be the center of our attention throughout eternity? I mean, it's not like we're going to be, we see Jesus and it's, oh, there's Jesus, you know, and no. It's Jesus. And they're not going to remember all of that. But there are characteristics of this new heaven and new earth, which is the millennial kingdom. And I want to just work through it. Let's just look at the text and let the text speak 
for itself. The first characteristic of the kingdom is joy. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. The first thing that God says about the kingdom to the Jews is it's going to be a place of rejoicing. It's going to be a place of joy. Now I started thinking about this, and this is just an application. This is written to Israel. But you know, do you think that God wants us, His church, to be joyful? Do you think that God wants us to be the ones that are walking around sulking, complaining, whoa, you know, end of the world kind of people and all that? You know what Nehemiah said? The joy of the Lord is my strength. As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. You know, the, the devil can't take your salvation, but he can sure steal the joy of your salvation. And one of the tools that the devil uses that I believe is kind of opposite of joy would be discouragement. Would be the down in the doldrums, if I could say it. You know, what? Can I, have you ever been around somebody that's just so negative all the time? And man, you don't, you, 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 you around them and you, you feel like you've been whooped or something. One of the characteristics of the kingdom is it's going to be joyful. You know, God doesn't want us to come into his house and sing, Blessed, sure, you know. You think about this. Uh, we, more than anybody, should know about his blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We ought to be the happiest people. We should, church. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's a false happiness. or But I'm not... Joy is in Jesus. It's not in the circumstances of the world. And for the Jews who know no joy... Have you ever watched that commercial? You'll be watching TV and uh, the Eckstein's, they, they have that uh, ministry where they... Uh, feed those uh, Holocaust survivors and those Jewish displaced people. And they take them a box of food and they're praying with these little old ladies who live in a little shack. And they're, they're, the, the lady, little lady's kissing the box of food. And you, you, joy. The people that are involved in that, they talk about the joy of, of heaven. We ought to be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. Why? And that's what God wanted from His people Israel. He created them. He called them. There's been no other nation chosen like Israel. And rather than joying and rejoicing in Him, they wandered around. He took them out of bondage. They wandered around for 40 years, complaining, uh, being very self-righteous, very self-centered, very condescending to God. He just wants the people that would rejoice in His name. I'm creating 
Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. The kingdom will be joyful. People like me that can't sing will sing anyways. Because it won't be about me, it won't be about the performance, it'll be about Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, speaking of Jerusalem, her. Most often in the Bible, Jerusalem is referred to feminine her, nor the voice of crying. No weeping, no wailing in Jerusalem. Verse 20, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days. Infant deaths are horrible. I've had to preach a couple of funerals. Horrible. You cannot prepare for it. You pray, you ask God, you go in a nervous wreck, brokenhearted. You cannot prepare for that. Moreover, the parents who have to experience that. Excruciating. Not in the kingdom. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. In the kingdom, if he is a believer, he won't die young. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. In the kingdom... And I can't substantiate this. There are some who believe that everyone in the kingdom will, if you're a righteous believer in Jesus Christ, you will live to at least 100. But sinners won't even live that long in the kingdom. I can't substantiate that based on that verse. I'm just telling you what they say. But I think the point is what Jesus what God wants us to see about the kingdom, what He wants Israel to see about the kingdom is life, health. It's part of the kingdom. It's a benefit of the kingdom. Look at verse 21. Prosperity. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. There'll be houses being built in the kingdom. Again, we've got this mystical notion that everything is going to be, oh, and it's not going to be real. It will be real. Houses will be built. Gardens will be planted. Vineyards will be planted. And people will eat of that fruit. And it will be lush fruit. I remember one time we had a big garden and had all this corn and a big storm came through and all that corn that was looking so great and lovely, it was here. And I thought, man, I worked so hard on that garden. So I went down to the farm store and I talked to the fellow and he said, don't touch it. You don't touch it. He said, when the sun comes out, that corn will stand back up. And I said, I got to see this. And one day I came home, and that corn was no longer like this. It was like this. And then it was like this, and then it was up. 
Now, one piece was like that. I don't know how it did it, but you know what? Isn't that just a wonderful metaphor? The sun, resurrection, life. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have a green thumb, Pastor. Don't worry. You will. You will. Look at uh, what he says in verse 22. They shall not build in another inhabitant. Someone's not going to come and take your house you built, Jews. You know why? Because there were many thousands of displaced Jews who lost their homes. Pagan, God, uh, pagan uh, nations came in and ransacked them and took their home and displaced them. You don't have to worry about that in the kingdom. Speaking to the Jew, remember, you don't have to worry about that in the kingdom. He says... They shall not plant and another eat. Now, he's not inferring that you can't share your vegetables or that the Jews won't share their vegetables or those in the kingdom won't share their vegetables. But he's just saying no one's going to steal your, your food. There's prosperity. Now, we live in a prosperous nation. I don't want to presume about you, but I would say that most of us will leave tonight and we'll go home and we can open the refrigerator and get something to eat. We can open our cabinets and get some food. Some of us might even dare get a milkshake or an ice cream on the way home. We live in a very prosperous nation. We don't know what it's like in some of the, the, the times the Jews had to deal with. We have no idea. But to the Jew and all those displaced Jews and those little ladies, that those Jew that we see on television, and I'm assuming it's real. I'm trusting. I think uh, they were very legitimate people, legitimate organization. Those people know, those little old ladies know what it feels like to be displaced and live in a little shack and freeze to death and not have a lot to eat. They don't know what prosperity is. See, sometimes we in our in the United States of America, we got it too good. My grandfather was a very frugal man. He's a very resourceful man. Very resourceful. And I suspect that being a kid and probably growing up during the Depression, I don't know how old he was then, I suspect that that maybe had an impression upon him and how he lived his life and how he appreciated the things that he had, the garden and the food and the things that God had blessed him with. There's something about appreciating what you had when you've lost everything. These Jews will feel prosperity. They will experience prosperity perhaps for some for the first time in their lives. Safety. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. My elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Safety. They won't bring forth children in trouble. They won't labor in vain. 
Look at verse 24. I love this. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. He's going to answer them before they even pray. And while they're speaking, still speaking, I will hear. It'd be a place devoid of trouble. It'd be a place when they call, the answer will already be given before they call. Isn't it interesting, repeatedly as you read through the Old Testament, the times that God spoke and they did not hear. The times when He said, you are a crooked and stiff-necked people. Yet, in His grace, those who turn to Him in faith and are in the millennial kingdom, He will answer them before they even ask. That's how good God is. Peace. It'll be a kingdom of peace. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Shall feed together. The wolf, the lamb is not afraid of the wolf. Why? Because it'll be a place of peace. There'll be no reason to fear. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The carnivores will be no longer meat eaters. They'll eat the grass like the ox does. Interestingly enough, the serpent is still a cursed animal, even in the kingdom. And dust shall be the serpent's food. That's what the Bible says. Now see, now you all know why I don't like them boogers. What did the Lord say in the beginning when he cursed the snake on your belly? It was an upright, beautiful creature. It had to be beautiful. Why in the world would Eve take fruit from a talking serpent? I don't even want to look at the things. And he said, you will breathe the dust in your nostrils every day of your life. In the kingdom, still breathing the dust. Hallelujah. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. You know, I, I read this passage and I'm, I'm mindful of this. I see the millennial kingdom for the Jews and how that is their longing. And yes, the millennial kingdom is a longing for us too because we will participate in it. But it's not the eternal state. We know about the eternal state. Now, Revelation, if you, I didn't tell him this. I'm just going to turn there. But Revelation chapter 21 says this. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Now I saw a he new heaven and new earth. No aches, no pain. Some of you can say amen to that. You'll have a new body. And the Old Testament saints didn't get to see this eternal state. But they enter into the kingdom. And they're blessed throughout 1,000 years of the kingdom. There's that revolt. Satan is cast into the lake of fire. And then all believers of all time enter into the new heaven and new earth, the eternal state. And that's the way we are forever and ever is forever. I can't tell you how long forever is. I've never been there. But I'm just telling you. That's the way it is. 
And I look at this and I think, what God is saying to those people there in this prophecy, He's saying three things. He says, if you are born in Israel at this time of this prophecy is given you, and those Jews all the way up until and through the tribulation period, if you've never trusted in Him, trust Him. Why? Because you can't get the promise without Him. The second thing I would say to those Jews is, if you are trusting Him but you're not right with Him, get right with Him because you don't know when it's going to happen. And I say to you, the church, we know about the thousand-year millennial reign and we know about eternity in the new heaven and new earth that we will enter into, which is that eternal state. And I would say this, if you're not saved, trust Jesus Christ while you can. You could die today. You could be raptured today. Your life could be over in a moment. People your age, my age, die every day in the world. If you're not saved, trust Jesus Christ. Number two, if you're saved but you're not right in serving Him, get right and serve Him. You don't need some magic formula. You don't need lights and stars and fall and uh, blinding light and all that. You need faith. Faith is taking God at His word. Believe Him. If you believe He's God and you believe that Jesus Christ could come at any moment and rapture us out of here, then we need to live like it. There shouldn't be this great confusion with the world and the church. The world should be salty. The world should be light. We're in Eden Park to light a candle. To reflect His light. To point people to Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. There are a lot of things that churches do that are great. You can be a good church and you can feed out a bunch of people every month. You can be a very socially active church and you can have all kinds of things for kids. But if you're not telling people about Jesus Christ, we're not right. There's United Way and other agencies to do that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it. I think we should do that. But we should do that for a, an opportunity to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's it. And if you and I believed that Jesus Christ could rapture us out of here at any moment, if you and I really believed that He could come at any moment, we'd want our, our friends and our loved ones, our family members that are not saved, we want them to know Jesus. But we don't, we're, we're, we've kind of stopped telling people about Jesus. Someone said... Um, Witness for Jesus, Lord, etc. And maybe they want to know why are you different, but you still have to tell them about the gospel. You see what I'm saying? You still have to tell them about Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross. And this is what we need to get back to doing. Well, you know, and today people get offended. Are you kidding me? They get offended over stupid stuff. I'm afraid to say anything because i don't know they got these little three-letter words and they put like lol and all this stuff and i don't know what them all them i know what lol means but i don't know what all them other letters mean i'm afraid to put them because i don't know what i'm putting is anybody else with me and we got all these things and 
you know, you can't do this. You can't call them this anymore. You can't call them that. And I'm like, for heaven's sakes, why don't we just tell people about Jesus Christ? Why don't we tell people about Jesus Christ? I still believe that even in the midst of this Old Testament prophecy that points to the kingdom, the point of the kingdom is the Messiah. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Jews today who missed, a lot of Jews in history, a lot of Gentiles, that missed the real Messiah. Do you know that they still believe that if they build the temple, the Jews believe this, if they build the temple, building the temple will hasten and invite the Messiah to come. And then my buddy who doesn't believe in the millennial kingdom, he doesn't believe in the rapture of the church, and he doesn't believe in dispensationalism, he says, because you all believe there's another temple that's going to be built. And I said, I'll, next time I go to Israel, you go with me and I'll take you into the Temple Institute. I'll show you the menorah out in the middle of Israel with a glass dome around it. I'll show you all the instruments they have at the Temple Institute. You can follow the Temple Institute on Facebook. That's right there in old Jerusalem. And they have a hundred priests for the new temple they're going to build. And he's like, they're not going to, there's not going to be another temple built. Well, read Ezekiel. Well, you, well, they're going to sacrifice animals and all that. Listen, I don't have to know everything to know and just to believe the Lord and what he says. But these people believe they missed Jesus as the Messiah. They believe if they build the temple, the Messiah will come. And so they're trying to, to have a red heifer. And he says, all oh, jokes about the red heifer and all that stuff. And but I'm telling you. They're trying to have a perfect red heifer. There are guys right now, probably not right now, but earlier today they were taken and they were looking at a red heifer cow with a magnifying glass making sure there was no white hairs in there. And everybody thinks we're crazy because we believe it. You think what you want to. But we need, we need the same message to, to Israel, to the Jews. Get right with God and get ready to go. The same message for us in the church. Get right with God and get ready to go. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. I'll never forget, we had the privilege one time of going to a fire station. And uh, they had a, some kind of service and it was for the fallen firefighters and I got to speak one time. And <clears throat> they were speaking and the guy was talking about firefighters. He said, now what's the primary responsibility of a firefighter fight fires right are you with me i know you're getting sleepy i'm i'm i'm, I'm landing it's fight fires right okay he says now do you all wash your truck every day yes we have to wash your truck every day even if it's not dirty even if they don't take it out they wash the truck every day they go through all their equipment every day they have all these responsibilities but is that their main responsibility nope What's their main responsibility? Fight fires. They have to make sure that the ladders work and their oxygen equipment and their masks and all that works and their tanks are filled and their everything. They have to do all these things. But is that their main job? Nope. Their main job is to fight fires. What's the main job of the church? Fight fires. Get people saved. 
Now, what do we do? We do a lot of things in that. But our main business is getting people ready to meet the Lord. I, uh, years ago, they, there was this pressure on all these preachers to come up with a mission statement. And I, I'm not good with that. That's all that stuff, you know. And I had so much pressure. And I was with another fellow, and we were talking, and we came up with this. Here's our mission statement. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission statement. Helping people find and follow Jesus. Now, we have church camp. We have Awana. We have Sunday school. We have ladies meeting. We have all these things that we do. And all those things are good and they're needful. But the main thing is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we need to do. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask you to just help us to remain focused and fixed on